everyone. Welcome to the Faith Chapel podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Hey, we're going to jump into a series where we're going to get one chapter of the Bible for the next three times we gather. The third one will, of course, be Christmas Eve. And it, it is a chapter of the Bible that has challenged me. And you might say, we spent three weeks on the same text. When I begin to read it, you'll understand why. It is this like full text. It's John chapter one. And so when John, who's one of Jesus' disciples, tells the Jesus story, it is just completely different than Luke and Matthew. Luke and Matthew are where we get most of our Christmas story from. We have the Magi, we have the wise men, we have the choirs of angels singing, we have Mary and Joseph. But when Luke tells the story of when Jesus came to planet Earth, there's none of that, none of that. So if we did a comparison, especially between Luke and John, Luke wants to tell us a story and he, is, he wants to put it in a time and a place. He tells us who Caesar was at the time that Jesus was born. He uses this phrase, in that place and in that time. And so Luke is telling this story and it's a narrative. Here's what John does. John gives us a poem. Luke wants us to understand what happened. John, when we read his Christmas story, he wants us to contemplate what it all means. And so as we walk our way through Luke's story, you're gonna find this, that Luke is gonna drop the seeds of his entire book, all these big ideas into chapter one. Things like belief, things like symbolism, things like fulfillment of the Old Testament, a restoration of all things. And by the way, in the new year, we'll begin a study in the book of John. We'll start with chapter two in January. And so would you join me as we take an adventure, all right? It's not quite the same sentimental Christmas story, but it is deeply, deeply meaningful. And it is is packed with concepts that I think we'll walk away and we'll think about throughout the week. And so over the next three weeks, we're gonna look at six different things that John says about the person of Jesus. This weekend, we're gonna look at these two big concepts. One, John is going to say emphatically, he wants everybody who reads his book to know this, Jesus is God. Second thing we'll look at is John wants everybody to know that Jesus is the creator. Jesus is God and Jesus is the creator. Let's read together the first 18 verses of the book of John. In the beginning, okay, even right there, you pause and you think, well, that seems familiar, right? Well, here's why it seems familiar. Even if you're not a student of the Bible, you're just spiritually curious. Genesis chapter one, first book in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earthless, earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And God said, and then he begins to speak. John starts his book off in the exact same way, using the same type of poetry and prose to say, 
Jesus has come is something new is happening. In the beginning was the word. We'll talk about that. Notice that it's capitalized. It is a title. It is a, a proper noun. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things, pantata, it means the entirety of existence. Through him, all things were made. And without him, without Jesus, the word, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of, notice this, all mankind. This is a huge statement for a Jewish person to make. It wasn't just the light for the Jewish nation. John recognizes that Jesus was for all of humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. <clears throat> he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. He's been around forever. Out of his fullness, we, all, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Okay, let's look at these two ideas. Number one, Jesus is God. So the world has been trying to figure out what to do with the person of Jesus for 2,000 years. We're talking about a Jewish rabbi who grew up in the backwaters of Israel, who probably, because he was raised in Galilee, spoke with a very, very distinct accent, who never traveled more than 100 miles away from his hometown, who never left behind a single written document, who never took a throne nor led an army, and yet he's changed the world like no one else. For 2,000 years, on every continent, in every language imaginable, people have been celebrating his birth. He only lived for about 33 and a half years. He only left behind 12 disciples, maybe 500 at the max. And yet whatever he invested in them caused them to go 
and changed the world. They became a more significant influence than the Roman Empire itself. What do you do with the person of Jesus? If you're spiritually unresolved, this is the primary question that you have to ask yourself. Like, who is he? Because the options are limitless, right? You can find books out there written by very intelligent people who will tell you that Jesus is an inspiration. The way he lived his life should serve as an inspiration for how you should live your life. Jesus was a revolutionary. Um, Some options would say that Jesus is a prototype that what Jesus did is what we one day, if we can figure it all out, could do. We could be like him. Some people will say Jesus is sentimental, right? He's either, you know, a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger, or he's the guy in the picture who's strikingly handsome and doesn't look Jewish at all and has a little lamb wrapped around his shoulders. And you look at him and you're like, <sighs> right? Who's Jesus? Who's he G- Jesus? And this is what John emphatically wants his hearers to begin to wrestle with. That Jesus is not just an inspiration. He's not just an incredible teacher. He's not a prototype for what human beings could be one day. But Jesus is God. Jesus is God. I want to read verse one and two one more time. In the beginning... The word. Now, what is the word? So, this is a Greek term, and uh, the the word is logos, L O G O S. And for the Greeks and the empire, even throughout the Roman Empire at the time, they're looking for ultimate truth. They're, They're seeking, like, what is true? There's been all these amazing Greek philosophers and the Plato's and the Aristotle's who have taught certain ideologies and concepts of truth. But this is what the Greek mind wanted. They they wanted to know what is ultimate truth? What is the ultimate wisdom of God? And John uses this concept that everybody was seeking in the first century. And he said, here's who Jesus is. He is the logos, the ultimate reality. The one thing that you can know for certain and you can hang all of your perceptions on Jesus is ultimate truth. In the beginning, so he's been around since the dawn of time. One of the things that John is saying, which declares God, Jesus' divinity, is this. Jesus is not created. He's the uncaused being. That God has been around for eternity. And John says, in Jesus has been around for eternity. And the word was with God. This phrase literally means face to face, present. And the word was God. I bet at some point you've had somebody knock on your door and wanna talk to you about the person of Jesus. And they'd say, we're great admirers about Jesus. However, we believe that Jesus was one of God's children and Jesus' brother was Lucifer. And you study Jesus because he's what we could be one day. And here's what John says, oh no. The word, the person of Jesus was God and he was with God in the beginning. He is the un 
caused being. John 1.18, let's reread that. No one has ever seen God. So this is interesting because um, John is hearkening back to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 22. And in chapter 30, verse 22 of Deuteronomy, Moses, the guy who's just led the people of Israel out of Egypt as slaves, he's on Mount Sinai and he's having this incredible encounter with God and God is giving him the 10 commandments. So on this mountainside, here's what Moses asks. It is what every human being has ever wanted. God, if you're real, would you just show yourself to me? Like, I want to see you. I want to get past, like, having to have faith. I just want verifiable proof. And here's what God says to Moses in Deuteronomy 30, 22. He says, no, no, you can't see me. Because if you saw me, you would die. No one can see the face of God and live. And the thought is this, is that because of our fallen state, because our world has been broken, because of Genesis chapter three, and we have died, our capacity and ability to be in the presence of our creator is diminished with that. And so God says this, well, Moses, here's what you can do. You can't see my face because it, it would kill you, but you can see where I just was. And so he says, Moses, right here, I want you to hide in the crevice of this rock and I want you to cover your face entirely and do not peek, right? This is a serious do not peek. Do not peek. And I'm gonna pass by. And after I've passed by, I'll say, go ahead and open your eyes. And there's two ways you can translate this in Hebrew. One is you saw God's backside or you saw where God just was. Most likely it's where God just was. So Moses is hiding, God passes by and God says, okay, peek. Moses looks and sees where God was, and it is overwhelming. He never asks to see God again. And when he comes down from the mountain, whatever has happened, him seeing where God was, is, is changed his countenance, and he's glowing so much so that the people say, we can't look at you. So Moses has to spend the next couple of months with a veil covering his face because just seeing where God was was too much. And here's what John says. No one's ever seen God, not even Moses, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father and he has made him known. This word right here is exegeto in Greek. Exegeto, it means he has exposed him. It's where we get our word exegesis or even explanation is that Jesus helps us to understand who God is because he is God. He is, as Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus isn't some subsidiary of the Trinity. This Jesus was God, he he was there at the beginning. He's uncaused. Everybody's always wondered what is God like? Every religion the world has ever seen has been exploring and contemplating what is God, what is his nature? And here's what John says, I can tell you what God's nature is because it was revealed in the person of Jesus. If you wanna know what God is like, read about the life of Jesus. For many of us, Myself included, there are times when I read the Old Testament. Those are the books written before the arrival of Jesus. And, um, 
in our modern concepts of justice and fairness, we read and we're like, ouch. God, that seems rather harsh. And then sometimes we flip and we read the New Testament and we, we read about the life of Jesus and we think it's so much different than the Old Testament. Well, this is a God who's revealing himself to the fullest capacity that people can understand him. And John says this, if you wanna know who God really, really is, you just look at the person of Jesus because he came exegeto. He came to explain, make known, and reveal who God is to each and every one of us. Later in John chapter eight, Jesus is having a dialogue with a group of uh, religious teachers and they're deeply offended by Jesus. The way he teaches, he's healing people. And they're like, like, who do you think you are? You're making statements that only God could make. And, and here's what Jesus says. He says, uh, in, in Greek it's ego and me. Who are you? He says, I am. He again is going back to the book of Exodus where there's this same Moses standing next to a burning bush. And he says, who are you? You're telling me to go back to Egypt and deliver the people. Well, give me a name so I can tell the Egyptians who sent me. And this is all God says. I am is sending you. Which is where we get the proper name for God in the Hebrew language, Yahweh. I am, I am what? That's the point of the name. I am merciful, I am just, I am all powerful. I listen, I am. Everything that you could imagine Moses, this is who I am. And here's John and he's taking Jesus and he's letting people know this. He's not just an inspiration. Christmas isn't just about sentimentality. It's not just about how Jesus could make you feel. John says, I want you to understand that Jesus is God. Part of why the virgin birth is so important, which is recorded in the book of Matthew. And this is like a mind bender, okay? So if you're just spiritually unresolved in investigating, like the virgin birth is one of those things you're like, blah, 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 like what in the world? This is, this is what the gospel writers are saying. They're saying that God chose to enter the human condition. And so Mary, this guy who's engaged to a man named Joseph has a visit from an angel. And the angel says, Mary, you're pregnant. She's like, how can I be? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, well, the spirit of God came upon you. And it is so important that this child you have is not just one more human being. Because there have been millions of human beings who have lived and have never been able to overcome brokenness and sin. So instead, God is infusing himself into the human condition. And so your child will not have a biological human father. God's going to be the father. What in the world? Um, this idea of Jesus being God. Friends in the Muslim world have family members who are over there and they talk to people. This is, this is one of the hardest things for the Muslim world to comprehend. So their name for Jesus is Isa. And they have had to deal with who is the person of Jesus. And they would say this, that Isa is a great prophet, second only to Muhammad. 
And so in the book of Sarah, one of the uh, uh, scriptures, it looks like this. This is what most Muslims believe, is that the Christian tradition believes in three separate gods. This is the biggest challenge for them. But interestingly, most Muslims think that we believe in God the Father, Mary, and their son, Isa, and that there are these three gods. And John knew that this would be so difficult for the world to experience, to accept. I talked to a guy last night after service and I loved his question. He's like, what in the H-E-double-L are you talking about? I'm like, hey buddy, that's the Trinity. That's Jesus being God and God is God and the spirit is God. Mary's not in the equation. She's revered, she's special, but she's not part of the Trinity. How can they all be one and be different? Uh Uh-huh, here's the deal. This is a two-dimensional mind trying to understand a three-dimensional God. Part of what the ancient church did was this. Um, They used a triangle to describe the Trinity, but they realized the challenge with this is that you had God the Father and then some some uh, subordinate Jesus in the spirit. And so it's impossible to draw, but what they began to do is they said, we're gonna think of the Trinity on a, a plane and that there's this God the Father, Jesus who is God and the Spirit who is God. Not elevated, not one below, but on a plane where we can begin to understand this profound concept that John wants us to grasp that Jesus is indeed God. Here's the second thing that John wants us to understand from this passage is that Jesus is creator. He's creator. So John goes through great pains to bring everybody's minds back to Genesis chapter one where the world as we know it was created. And in Genesis chapter one, God speaks 10 distinct times into the darkness. So there's chaos. And God speaks order into the chaos. The, the Hebrew term is tovu vavohu, which means waste and wild. That there was something here, but it was disorderly and it was dark and it, there was no life. And God speaks 10 times into the darkness, let there be, and something comes into existence. And John says, Jesus is coming. And he's coming into a world that is overrun by darkness by chaos, by death, by pain, by disease, by confusion regarding who God is. And Jesus is going to begin to speak. Remember, he's the word. He's going to begin to speak life into our world. This is the second time that the creator has spoken something into existence. And Jesus begins to speak truth. People, they don't know what to do over and over, especially in the book of Luke, it says the people were overwhelmed and confused because Jesus spoke with such authority. At one point they say this, who is this man that when he speaks, things actually happen? So Jesus would speak to someone who had a broken, withered body and he would speak healing into that person. He would speak to, we'll take an example from the book of John, a woman who's been caught in the act of adultery and she's this close to being executed. 
and he comes and speaks into her ear and he writes words on the ground in the dust and those words create life and a second chance. That Jesus is going to speak truth that people have never known before regarding who he is. This same Jesus is gonna be on a boat with his disciples and these are experienced fishermen and a storm comes up that's so severe that the experienced fishermen say, we're done. There's no way we're gonna live through this. And Jesus is gonna stand up and say, be still. And the wind and the waves cease. John is going to let his listeners contemplate, think about the idea that Jesus the uncreated, the uncaused one is still creating and he's coming to this planet, this imperfect, broken planet to create something new. And I think there's two primary things that Jesus is creating when he comes back to planet earth. The first one is a kingdom. It's a kingdom. We won't talk extensively about this, but over and over, Jesus is going to talk about I've come to create in the midst of this kingdom, okay, this, this kingdom where Rome is in power at, at the writing and, and there's all kinds of political figures and military figures. He says, in the midst of this kingdom, I am making a brand new kingdom. And it's a kingdom that has different rules of operation and different values than the kingdom that you see. And, and in this kingdom, we're gonna have Distinctives and the distinctives are going to be how we love and how we forgive and how we care for people that are easily dismissed and forgotten and what we believe. And we're going to have in this kingdom peace and we're going to have hope. And it has nothing to do with the political global sphere around us. New kingdom. The other thing that Jesus is going to create is a new family. And this is very important to John as he writes. He wants everyone to know that Jesus is making a new family and they can be a part of this family. In fact, I want to revisit uh, these scriptures. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It's not what they anticipated when they thought of God coming to earth. Yet to all who did, please notice this word, receive him. And to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So here's what religion has taught for the most part throughout human history. That to be a part of what God is doing, you achieve it. You achieve it. So you change your morality, you become more devout, you become more sacrificial in your giving and your thinking and your, your actions. But what does John say? Jesus wanted to create a family. He wanted people to be made new, to recreate their identity to children of God. And there are two things, it is not achieve, it is believe and receive. Believe and receive. And if you believed and you received, you became part of this new family that Jesus is creating. There's no achieving. There's no achieving. John just wants people to know this, that this new family, it is, it is a gift. You were given this gift and all you do is receive it. You didn't earn it. 
you can't accomplish it. It's this beautiful new thing that Jesus is creating and he wants each of us to be a daughter and a son in the new family that he came to create and you do not earn it. This believe and receive is fundamental to the rest of John's book. And one of the things that you and I get to do this Christmas is receive. Believe. Are there things that are difficult to believe? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I begin the process of belief. Jesus came into the world to create a new family to address I want to talk for a moment about entropy. Some of you will be familiar with this term. It'll like at least have an echo from high school for you. Here's a definition of entropy. The degree of disorder or uncertainty in a closed system. This is one of the uh, primary laws of thermodynamics. The degradation, falling apart of the matter and energy in the universe to the ultimate state of uniformity. So here's what the world was before the arrival of Jesus. In our terms, this is something like John would say, is that we had this closed system. It was an open system, God was a part of it, because of the choice for humans to be autonomous from God and to try to be our own God, things died. This is emotionally, physically, culturally, spiritually, things fell apart and so we're this closed system and there's been degradation. Like nothing in this world gets better over time, right? If, it, if you bought a shiny new car and you left it outside for 15 years, it doesn't automatically become vintage, does it? It just falls apart, the tires fall apart, the gaskets fall apart, that's entropy. And what John is saying is we're in this closed system and that we've been doing everything that we possibly could to bring about life, to bring about health, and we haven't been able to do it. And here's what John says, Jesus, the creator, entered into the closed system. It was ruled by entropy, spiritual, physical, emotional, cultural entropy, things falling apart. And when Jesus is in the system, he can overcome the entropy. He came to create. And then his parting words is he looked at a bunch of just normal people, really no different than you and I. And he said, okay. Because I am God, and because you believe and receive and you're now children of God, I want you to go out into all the world and I want you to create something new. I want you to create a new dynamic where love, healing, restoration and hope. I I want to create this kingdom, this family within the world as it exists where cowards become courageous, where addicts become free, where broken become whole, where lost are found. And I will be 
creating that. That. We take a moment and pray with me. Jesus, you are God. And for some of us, that's fairly mind-bending. We've thought of you as important. We kind of have sentimental concepts regarding who you are. But John assaults us with this thought. He is the uncaused one. He is God. And because of that, that means that God entered the human condition at Christmas. He means that our closed system, an intruder has come. And the intruder brings life and new creation. And for all of us, we believe and we receive. We want to be children of God, part of this new family that you're creating. And God, so many of us, we need creation in our hearts and our lives. We need the creator to take the chaos and the brokenness and make something new, something better, something healthier. And finally, if you can keep your eyes closed for a moment, I just want to invite anybody who's listening, who's here in the room, and you'd realize that this is the moment that God is asking you to surrender to him, and there's nothing for you to achieve. You believe, and you receive, and you become a daughter or a son of God. And if this is that moment for you, I want you to believe, and I want you to receive would you just raise your hand and wave at me? I want to make eye contact with you. Yes and yes. You're his. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In this middle section right here in front of me. Yeah. You're his. Believe, receive. Yes, over there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I see you. And if you're in the balcony, we just wave at me. I believe, I receive. Yeah. Yes, yes, all three of you guys in that very top. Yes. Here, yes, ma'am. And if you're online, I want you to just look in your screen for a moment. The Lord sees you as well. Believe, receive, become a child of God. Let Jesus begin the recreation process. Amen. Amen. Hey, would you applaud for a bunch of people that made that courageous decision? Woo. If you made that decision, if you're online, I want you to click on the right button. If you're here in the room, there is a Bible free of charge at the Welcome Center out there. I want to get that into your hands and help you in any way we can. As you go, if you need prayer, there's people up front you can trust. If you're a guest, got a gift for you as well. Be the hands and the feet, mouthpiece of Jesus. You're loved. See you next week. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.